I don't know if you all know this, but I drive a F-150 black pickup and I bought this truck from the bishop and I just paid it off a couple weeks ago. He had this truck, I don't know, this was about four years ago and he never drove it. And so I said to him, I said, Bishop, if you ever want to get rid of that truck, I'm willing to buy it. And he's like, well, what do you want to pay? And I looked down and I said, well, you are my spiritual father after all. And, uh, and he's like, let's look at the blue book price. <laughs> and so <clears throat> he did give me in the end a very good deal. I, I mean, quite honestly, I don't, a brand new pickup like that, I don't think I could afford as, as a priest, but, and it was kind of, that was brought to my attention one day because I was at the gas station and I came walking out, I just paid and this guy was walking towards me and he's like, hey, father. I'm like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, I just want to say thank you. I'm like, for what? And he's like, just for all you do. I don't think you guys get thanked enough. And I'm like, well, hey, man, I really appreciate that. And he's like, all right, well, have a good day. And I go and I jump up into my truck and he's like, hey, father. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, apparently collections are up, huh? <laughs> I said, thou shalt not judge. <laughs> anyway. As I was buying this, I was paying the bishop, and he was very fond of saying, for the first couple of years, every time I saw him, he'd say, how is my truck? And then about halfway through, and I paid half of it off, he switched it, and he said, how is our truck? And so it delighted me a great deal two weeks ago to walk up to him and say, bishop, it's my truck now. <laughs> but being owned by somebody, or when they have something over you, it's a terrible feeling, but I think it's an all too common feeling for us, especially in this country. Many of us have felt it by our own jobs, where we're almost controlled by it, right? The, the job dictate, dictates our life, or maybe by debt, right? Even the debt, it's held over us. It kind of possesses us in a way and controls us. I know people that live this way. That some people are possessed by their homes or by the cars they drive. All three of the readings this morning have to do with one question. And that question is, to whom do you belong? What, what owns you? Where do you find your identity? Because most, if not all of us here, are possessed by someone or something. In the first reading we have the prophet Amos, okay? 8th century BC prophet. He was a farmer. A shepherd, he looked, took care of sycamore trees. We hear that in the first reading. He had a very simple life. He has no training as a prophet. He didn't aspire to be a prophet. God just showed up one day and was like, Hey Amos, I want you to go and tell all the loser leaders of Israel that they're losers. And Amos does it. And when he shows up and he calls the leadership of Israel to something higher, they don't receive him well. That's what we get today, right? <clears throat> the leader of the Sanhedrin comes forward and he's like, Amos, go away. We don't want to hear you. We don't want to listen to you. Why? Because he had a challenging message. And I got to think that Amos is sitting there. You know, looking at the, the, the Jewish hierarchy and saying, really, do you guys think that I want to be here? Do you think that I want to like bring this message to you? I was fine. I was just having a grand old time being a shepherd 
dressed in the sycamore trees, and God just made me do this. I, can, I feel this man's like pain because that, that happened to me. I was not a farmer. <laughs> I was just going to college. And all of a sudden, God showed up. And he said, I want you to go and preach my message. I was perfectly happy doing what I was doing. And so when I come up and I preach the truth, this is what always drives me nuts. People come up, you know, I'll preach something that they don't like. And they're like, how dare you preach on that? You have no right to preach on that. And I'm like sitting there, I'm like, seriously? Do you think I want to do this? Do you think I want to get up in front of everybody and make them mad? Do you think that's high on my agenda? It's not, in case any of you are wondering. He asked me to preach this. I have to preach it, even if I don't want to. It would be so much easier for me to get up here every Sunday and say, hey, everybody, good news. You're okay. I'm okay. Everybody's going to heaven. Have a wonderful Sunday. And I'd sit down. It would cost me nothing, no preparation time. But it's not true. And it's not what I was called to do. Nor was Amos called to do it either. Amos was called to, tell, to call the leadership to two things. And they'd be two good things for us to pay attention to today too. The first one is God is calling them back from idolatry. What's idolatry? It's when you put something in the place of God that's not God. And you make it God. Now that could be anything. That could be money. That could be prestige, honor. You name it. Comfort. Luxury. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, is he calls them, they have forgotten the core belief of what they believe is Jews, and that is to take care of those who are in need, the poor, the needy. They've just kind of kicked them to the wayside. And as I said, Amos is not received well. And you know why he's not received well? Because the Jewish leaders know that if they listen to him, they're going to have to change. They're going to lose their power. They're going to lose their luxury. They're going to lose their finery. They're going to lose their nice homes and their fine clothes. And they don't want that. Sound familiar? It should. The politicians of ancient Israel are no different than the politicians of modern day America. They are owned. They are owned by those who are most responsible for giving them their positions of power. And then when they finally get elected to those positions, they represent these special interest groups. They don't represent us. They don't represent the people. That's why they can't speak to the innocence of life in the womb. Because Planned Parenthood paid for their campaign. They now are owned by Planned Parenthood and have to speak their narrative. And you guys, don't be fooled. This is not, I'm not just picking on politicians. This is all of us. We can all be owned. And when that happens, we are guilty of what's called idolatry. Because we are setting something up that is more important than God. Think of how many times you and I sell out God in public because we don't want to be labeled. Because we don't want to be persecuted. Because God forbid somebody might know I'm a Christian and make fun of me. That's idolatry. 
We've put something said, this is more important than Almighty God. And when you do that, you are not free. God wants us to be free. We belong to him. He has the rightful center. This is what Paul means in the second reading when he says this. In love, God destined us for adoption to himself through Jesus Christ. We are his. Do you believe that? Do you trust that God is your father, that you belong to him, that he wants what is best for you? Because you guys, every temptation in the Bible, in the history of humanity, is based on that question. I I don't know if I've given you this. This is show and tell. This is a Bible for everybody, okay? This right here, okay? Everybody see that? One page. It's the first page of the Bible. This is the devil telling us God doesn't care. He doesn't have your best interests in mind. This is God telling us he does care. The rest of the Bible is him trying to prove to us that he cares. Culminating in the death of his own son. If you won't believe that, believe that. He cares. He cared enough to become one of us. And yet we still, we still don't believe. And when we live like that, we are, we're not free. When we live for him, we're free because we're not owned by anybody. Nobody can control us. We're at his disposal for his purposes. You guys, that's why he sends out the apostles today with nothing. Because when you have nothing, you have to have great faith. I love it. He says to him, you know, he says, don't, don't take any clothes. Don't take any walking sticks. You can wear your sandals. You know, okay, thanks, Jesus. We, get, we at least get shoes for the journey. He gives them nothing so that they will rely on him for everything. And what happens from that? They cure the sick. They raise the dead. They expel demons. Because they are so dependent upon Jesus that his power is flowing right through them. That's why our church has no power. Because he's not at the center. And if he's not at the center, something else is. You guys, I don't know if you know this, but sacrifices all over the Bible. You, you know that, right? Like the sacrifice of bulls and, 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 and the offering of wheat and cereal offerings. And Why is sacrifice all over the Bible? Because sacrifice automatically presumes trust. It's directly linked to trust. The more you sacrifice, the more you need to trust. The greater the thing you give to God, the more faith it takes to believe that he will provide for you in that nothingness. That's why Jesus sends his disciples out with nothing. I love that reading, you know. (laughs) He's like, you know, don't take any sandals. Don't take any money. Don't take any. You can have a second tunic, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, thanks, Jesus. Luckily, I have that second tunic, right? He gives them nothing. The whole concept is, will will you trust me? And here's the thing, you guys. We don't sacrifice to get God to love us more. 
We sacrifice so that we will love God more. And in doing that, it makes us people of faith. When you give God the best of what you have, you are taking a risk. You are trusting that he will provide. But way too many of us just give him the leftovers, if we give him anything at all. That's not sacrifice. Sacrifice is saying to God, what I have, I give to you. I don't know what will come from it. I don't know the future, but I know that you are my father and that's enough. And so I'm going to make you the center. Not money, not honor, not pleasure, not comfort, not prestige. God, you get it. You get the center. And I believe that out of that, I will truly be free. We claim as Christians to love God above all things. But can you show it to me in the way you live? What do you sacrifice for him? Do you give him the best of your time, talent, and treasure? Do you really trust him? Are you just a friend so long as you get what you want? And so the question that we need to ponder this morning is, who really is your God? Who runs your life? Where do you get your identity? Whose word do you listen to? And ultimately, where do you place your trust? True freedom can only come from belonging completely to him. If you belong to anything else, you're a slave. Give God the best of your life. And he will give you the best life to live.